following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Growing. What does it look like to be a growing person? A person who's actually growing more and more into the image and reflection of Jesus. Now before we get into this topic today, I want to start off by showing you something that may have the power to change your life. It's a, it's a beautiful and powerful image, and I just want you to take it all in on the screen. Go ahead, Bliss, you can show it. Just, just take that in. The, that's, that's me there. I was eight years old going on 80. Uh, I'm not sure if not sure if those are pajama pants or dress pants. I think it was kind of all the same in that time. But what I really like is a sweater. I wish I still had that sweater and the full white turtleneck. Remember when turtlenecks were a thing? Plain white turtleneck. And it's hard to tell there, but I'm actually missing some teeth. I was, I was, yeah, like the child vampire. You've seen the child vampires going around without teeth. I was a child vampire, and those teeth eventually did grow back in. I'm living here proof. You can see they're back. And that person is actually me. Can you believe that? Like that person grew into this person. I don't know if it got any better, if that was the height of my life right there. I was looking good with, with the hair and the comb over. Man. Anyways, reason I show this is because we, we have this thought, we know like if a kid loses their teeth, we expect it to grow back, right? That's just, we don't doubt, we don't worry about it. And we understand that children eventually grow up into adults, at least physically, right? I can't speak for emotionally and some other things, but at least physically, we have this assumption or expectation that children will grow into adults. In fact, it's a, it's a good rule of thumb that everything God created will grow. Everything that God creates, God designs, he designs for it to grow. Now, mankind, man has created buildings, we've created cars, we've created chairs, we've created Macaroni necklaces, I don't know, different things. And those things aren't created to grow. But in fact, everything that God creates, he creates to grow. So what we want to look at this morning is how is it that you grow? More specifically, what are you growing into? Because you're already growing in some direction, whether you realize it, recognize it, or not. So the question is, in what direction or to whom am I growing into? What are you currently growing into? What is the future you going to look like? And is it actually who you want it to be? And it, is it, in fact, who God designed you, created you to be? And so what we want to do is look at this and understand that our spiritual growth has a lot to do with where we plant our roots. So if you would, go ahead and open up your Bible. Grab your Bible. If you've got a paper Bible, you're rocking one of those. Go and grab that. Open up to John chapter 15. Grab the pen and you could take some notes on the paper that you had in the bundle stack or grab your phone app. That's probably a little bit easier and go to John 15. And while you're getting there, I want to give you a little bit of background context to where we are in John chapter 15. So John is in the New Testament. It's one of the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. In fact, in this particular moment here in John 15, we are about a few hours away, as far as we could tell, from Jesus being falsely arrested and falsely accused of crimes that he didn't commit, which would ultimately lead him 
to the cross where he would die. And this was God's plan all along for, for salvation. And he would die, and three days later he would be risen from the dead, conquering sin and death for all. And so this here in John 15 is just hours before all this gets set in motion and the story is going to speed up a little bit. And so Jesus here with his disciples, his dudes were around him, and I'm sure they had all sorts of questions, right? I would have so, all sorts of questions, like, what is next for you, Jesus? What is next for us? What's going to happen? Because everything is about to change for everyone here. And so I think it's really interesting, it's fascinating to read about what Jesus chooses to share with his disciples right here at this moment. And really what it's about is about who they are and how it is that they grow. And I think it's the same thing for you and I. Before we understand what road God wants to take us down, what path he has laid out for us, where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to be about, we have to first understand who we were created to be, who we are, who God is, who Jesus is, and how all of this works together for our growth. So Jesus says this in chapter 15, verse 1, speaking of himself. He says, I am the true vine... And my father is the gardener. So he says, I am I'm the real thing. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the real vine. And my father, God, is the gardener. So he's letting us know how this metaphor works. So Jesus is saying he's the, the true vine. And it's important for us, I think, to understand how vineyards came about and how they worked in Jesus' day. Because it's completely different in Middle Eastern 2,000 years ago compared to where we're at today, right? Maybe you've been to Napa, California, or you've been to Sonoma, or you've been to the vast, luscious vineyards of East Tacoma. And we, <laughs> we tend to think of vineyards growing up, right? We think of vineyards growing up, and there's rows and rows and rows, and they're on these uh, wires and these stakes, all this. But in Middle Eastern culture in that day, they didn't grow up. They actually grew out. They were planted on the ground, and the vines would lay literally just on the ground. So a gardener would need to plant these rows about three feet apart so that he could walk down the middle of them and tend to them and care for them. Every vine, everything was done by hand, and it was done intentionally. And so we're going to see in a minute that Jesus is going to talk about this is what the gardener does. But it's important first that we understand we have this picture of the vineyard that Jesus was talking about and the gardener that Jesus was talking about down on his knees, intentionally working, using his hands. Because it's only, it's only in the intimate presence of God that you and I have a potential to grow. It's only in the intimate presence of God. So verse 2, Jesus says this. This is what the gardener does. He cuts off every branch in who? In me. And I think it's interesting that Jesus starts here by referring to himself. He talks about himself. He says, yes, this is what God does for me in my life. And it's the same thing that he does in your life. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruits. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will be even more fruitful. This is what God does. He works intentionally. He cuts and he prunes and he's caring for and tending to our lives and our spiritual growth. Now, just by a show of hands here, how many of you would consider yourself as a green thumb 
There's one of you. Two? So I would say that it's less than a majority. <laughs> we actually made some awesome vegetables and share them with Summer and I, and they were fantastic. So I trust that hand. And I trust your, your hands as well. The rest of us, it's plastic ferns for life. And that's okay. It's easier that way in the long run, right? It's, it's good. So for those of you who know about gardening, you probably know what pruning is, right? Roy, you know what pruning is? And that's, that's awesome. It's, a, it's a, probably a misunderstood practice, though, to the rest of us. It's actually critical and crucially important for the growth and the health of the vine or a plant. And so the first thing that Jesus talks about is obvious to us. Anything that doesn't lead to life, the gardener will cut off. Any branch, branch that's attached to us that isn't leading to life, he cuts off. Now, why does he do that? Why, why is that so important? Because these branches that are actually attached to the plants that are dead, they're actually sucking the life, sucking the nutrients out of the rest of the plant and the, le- the rest of the branches for themselves, and they have nothing to show for it. My guess is your life, like my life, tends to sometimes have these dead branches attached to us that all of us have that have attached themselves to us or we have willfully attached themselves to us. That They may not look dead on the surface, but on the deep down on the inside, they're not producing any fruit in our life and they're taking away desperate life that God has designed for us. Think about this. Think about maybe unhealthy relationships in your life. This is probably the easiest go-to to start, this is the easiest example. Have you ever had an unhealthy relationship in your life? Maybe someone in your family, like you think of them right now when I said that and you have an unsettling feeling in your stomach. Someone in your family or maybe it's someone in your friend group. Maybe it's a past relationship that you were in someone that you were dating, someone where you've given so much time and attention, like a disproportional amount of time and attention just to try to keep the peace, to keep things okay and moving forward. Do you see how that can draw life out of us and time out of us from investing in relationships that are building us up and spurring us on toward Christ? What about things like bitterness or jealousy or envy, where you look at someone else's life and you want it for yourself, and so you feel that bitterness in your heart, or maybe even you, you knock them down just to feel better about your circumstances and situation. You can exert a lot of effort and energy online, right, looking through everyone else's pretty little life, wanting it to be yours, and you miss what God actually has for you in that moment. What about things like fear and anxiety? These can be branches that attach themselves to us, that we're at that point where we live in the what-ifs and the then-whats, and we're worried about all these things that may not even come into fruition, and we're missing what God has provided and what God is doing in us and wants to do through us in that moment. It can draw this life out of us. Do you see how this works, how these dead branches attach themselves? And so Jesus says, here's what God is going to do because he loves you. And I will, I will say that it may not always feel good when Jesus does this. It may not always be a happy experience. It may not always be fun. And God does this in a lot of different ways for different people. But he does this because he loves us. This is what a good gardener does. He's going to get rid of anything in your life that is keeping you from truly living. 
Now, Jesus also says that God prunes those branches that are bearing fruit in my life. And now pruning is something you do after a harvest, after the fruit comes. You, you cut the branch back just a little bit so in the next season the branch can grow more and it can produce even more fruit. And it's really interesting that you may find yourself in a season of life where you feel like it's growing or God is blessing something in your life, but you wish God would be blessing it more or you'd see the hand of God more and you wonder why isn't God blessing this more in my life, and the reason can be sometimes we could be in the season of pruning, and we won't see until next season the work that God is doing in us and through us in this season. See, this is what God does. He doesn't just let us grow wild and chaotic all over the ground with dead branches interweaved. No, He does this because He's lovingly caring for us and tending to our life. Jesus goes on to say this. In verse 3, he says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. This, this verse is referring to his disciples, the people who knew Jesus well, had been walking with him, living with him, heard Jesus preach, understood this concept that Jesus was talking about. So we'll go on to verse 4. And this is like, this is the aha moment. This is the, the big one. This is where Jesus tells us the strategy for growth in our life. And he's going to repeat it over the next few verses. Jesus says this, remain in me. Now, maybe your translation could say something like abide in me or stay in me. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. And we get that, right? You ever walk down the side of the road and you see a branch that fell off an apple tree And it's broken, laying there, and it's just producing, like, the most amazing-looking apples. No, that doesn't happen, right? Jesus understands that we get this. He understands us. He's telling us that we need to remain in him. We must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruits unless you remain in me. The greatest strategy for growth, for spiritual growth in your life is far simpler than you can ever imagine. It's not even 10 easy steps or three easy steps. It's one thing. It's one word. This is what Jesus is telling to us this morning. It's this word, stay. Stay in me. Abide in me. And it seems so simple, right? It seems like almost too simple, like it shouldn't be that, that easy. But think about your life for a moment. Think about your everyday life. We are more busy, living in a more action-oriented society. We are more distracted, pulled in more directions than any other time in human history. Think about it. You wake up, and then the first thing you do is you grab your phone, and you check the alerts of things that you missed while you slept, Right? Everyone does that. And then you read stories about the stuff that happened when you slept, and then you need to go through all of your social medias, see what everyone else did while you were sleeping, and then it's Wednesday, right? This is what happens. All we want to do is go, 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 go. And all Jesus is saying to us here is stay. Just stay with me. Before we grow, we have to stay. The gardener, God, he says you need to stay connected to me. You will not, you cannot grow if we're disconnected. It doesn't work that way. There's something about staying in the loving presence of God that allows us to grow into the person that he created us to be. 
And so he keeps repeating this concept because he really wants us to understand it. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, again in this intimate relationship, you will bear much fruits in your life. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's all say that. That sounds fun. Everyone say, apart from me, you can do nothing. One, two, three. Nice. I had a bad cadence. That's on me. That's not on you. This, this bigger picture here is that not only are you created by God to grow, but you're also created by God to bear fruit. That there's something good that God wants to do in you and through you for others in this world. That's what fruit is. This good thing from God that grows in you and through you comes out for the benefit of other people as we stay connected to the true vine that is Jesus. It's all about who we're rooted into. Your fruit is directly connected to your roots. Another way of saying that is this. Your roots determine your fruits. And I know it sounds kind of Dr. Seussie, but Dr. Seuss is my guy. But just think about that for a second. Your roots determine your fruit. What you plant yourself into, that is what will grow in your life. You reap what you sow. We've talked about the, the principle of the path here many times, that it's your direction, not your intention, that determines your destiny. It's where I've where I pointed my life, what I'm heading toward, not what I want for myself, but actually where I'm walking, that's where I'm going to end up. What I plant myself into, that is what I will grow in my life. That will, that's what's going to come through me in my life. Think about it this way. Let's talk about that in a few ways. Say your career is really taking off. Like you've struggled for some time, but finally you're trying, like you're finally getting some breaks and you, it just feels like you're in the season of opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and you're crushing it. You're hitting home runs every single time. You keep getting promoted, and you keep advancing. And it'd be really easy for you in that season to say, this is where I'm going to plant my roots. This is where I'm going to find my identity. This is where I'm going to find my purpose in this world is in my career. This is how I de- define my life. This is my security. And so what you could do is you could plant your roots in that, and you could forsake everything else. You can forsake relationships, maybe your health, physical health, spiritual health. Maybe even your ethics go to the wayside because your life is all about career and achievements. Think about money. Money could be something that you can root and plant yourself into you think, and we've all done it, we've all done it, if I only can make this much money in my life, then everything will be fine. Or I could just get ahead a little bit more. And so we plant ourselves into some number, some number that we think everything will be fine. But this is what some, I mean, most of you have probably found this out. It's like shooting for moving goalposts, right? Because no matter what number you hit, you're always going to want more and want more and want more. And so what that could produce in your life is this greed. If we root ourselves in the pursuit of money, you'll find us being driven by that. And we can either be stingy on the other side of that or live in scarcity, whatever it may lead to. We need to be mindful of what we root ourselves into because that is the fruit that will be produced in our hearts. What about this one? We'll end with this one. What about your image online? Your perfectly crafted, curated image 
on social media. So, so well filtered, done so beautifully. I mean, the meals that you eat, so symmetrical, so colorful. The fact that you happen to be standing in front of that wall at that moment in time, somewhat surprised that someone was taking your picture, it amazes me. And the fact that you have someone follow around and take your pictures for you, I don't know who these people are, but it's cool that you have your own personal photographer. That's awesome. You see, you can root yourself into your identity online, and ultimately what that's about is needing acceptance, needing approval from others, and you could root yourself into that, and just like money, it will never be enough. And here's the other thing that I hope I'm not the one to tell you, is there's always going to be someone cooler than you. Like, I learned that at the age of eight. There's always going to be someone that's cooler than you. You're never going to corner that market. Jesus says, rather than root yourself in all of these other things, root yourself in me. Because here's the deal. He is the true vine, and every, every other vine is an imposter, and those things will fade, they will fail you, and they can fall apart. Root yourself in your career. What happens if you lose your job? I mean, what happens if, if the market turns? Root yourself in your finances. What happens if something Terrible happens or you make a bad investment and you cannot sustain that way of life any longer. Root yourself in even something good like a, like a relationship. What if that relationship were to fade or that doesn't play out the way that you had planned? Root yourself in your image online. What happens if someone comes around that's cooler than you? Or if you're not getting as many likes and Insta snaps. I know I said that wrong. But Jesus says, root yourself in me, the one that will never leave you, will never forsake you, the one that you can count on. He will never fail you, and you will actually grow, and you will bear fruit, and you will become the person that God wants you to be. Remember back in, in verse 5, uh, Jesus gave us this promise that we will grow and we're rooted in the true vine but he also gave us this warning, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, stray from me and you will find your life disappointing. You will find your life disconnected and ultimately not the life that God has for you. Because at that point, your life doesn't, isn't about being rooted in Jesus. Your life is now all about your separated branch. It's become all about you it's an imitation of the true vine that will never satisfy. And so he warns us again here in verse 6. He says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Tell us how you feel, Jesus. He wants us to get this image in our mind. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, my teaching, the word of God, the scriptures remain in you. Now listen to this. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now quick word on that phrase, ask for whatever you wish. So some of you were sleeping for about 25 minutes and you just woke up. When I said that phrase, you're like, so if I just hang around this Jesus guy for a while, it's like a genie in the bottle situation, which I'm all for. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. And my guess is you understand that. What Jesus is saying is that when you are planted in me, 
When his life is in you, it's my life flowing through your veins. It's my will. It's my word working itself out through your life. When you ask for things, they will actually be aligned with my will for your life. God's desire for your life. That's what Jesus is talking about. When you're asking at that level of abiding and staying in Christ, your asking actually aligns with God's word. You'll find yourself praying for other people, people that you care for. You'll find yourself praying that God would grow a greater self-control in your life, that God would grow a greater peace in your life, that God would grow a greater understanding of how he wants to use you and work in you and through you for others. And that only comes when you plant and root yourself in the true vine. So as we close this morning, it's probably good to close and ask the question, so how do we do this, right? It'd probably be an important thing to understand. How do we actually plant ourselves in Christ for spiritual growth? And so as we close, I want to offer you a multiple choice, choose your own adventure, homework assignment. So you could choose one of these things, none of these things, all three of these things. And I'll leave it up to you. So first of all, one of the greatest ways, and this is my number one for a reason, one of the greatest ways that we could stay in God is to set aside some time. Set time aside. Carve some space in our schedule, our busy schedule, for silence, for solitude, and for surrender. Now, if you've been going here long enough, You've heard us talk about the resource of 20-minute mornings, which is a tool that the staff designs to help everyone set aside that time to connect with God each and every day. And maybe you say, I can't do 20-minute mornings because I don't have 20 minutes in the morning. That's like a full Netflix episode. Well, how about this? How about 10-minute mornings? No? How about 5-minute mornings? Find some consistent time and start there, whatever it may be. And I'm not saying like, I'll give... Jesus prayer time while I'm showering in the morning. That's my Jesus time. No, I'm not saying distracted time. Not the five minutes that it takes for you to walk from your car into the business center. That's not what I'm saying. This is time. Get up before the kids get up. Just time for you to sit alone with your Bible to pray and meditate and listen to the Holy Spirit, what he wants to tell you in your life. This is one way of doing this staying. Another I would suggest to you is to switch your intake. This week, for seven days, instead of listening to the radio, jamming on T-Swift on your way to work, instead of listening to the radio, instead of listening to podcasts, which would be hard for me because I really love podcasts, instead of that, just let worship music be your only intake this week. Now, why is that important? Because, again, I, I love Christian podcasts, I listen to to pastors speak, and I'm always looking for more insight, more information, more knowledge, more application, all this. But what worship does is it settles my heart and makes me aware of the presence of God in my life and places me in this awareness and submission to his will for my life. When I'm thinking about songs like we sang this morning, to be like you, what that really looks like and how great God is and it, it feeds into the rest of my day when I'm not listening to worship, it just continues to play in my mind. And so as a resource to you, uh, our worship team created a, a Spotify playlist of all the worship songs we do here. Now you might say, I like the church, but I hate the worship songs. Cool, you don't have to listen to the Spotify playlist. 
Do whatever works for you, some elevation worship or some Jesus culture, even the Gaithers. I'll promote the Gaithers. Whatever works for you, get worship in your mind this week. Maybe you need to switch your intake. And the last thing I would offer you is this, is to get yourself around people who are just as committed to their spiritual growth as they are your spiritual growth. Get in community. And absolutely a great way to do this, and Andrew talked about our community groups, which you could still join. This is a way that we bring about encouragement and accountability to actually live out our faith and community with one another. And I understand, too, that, that sometimes in community groups, you're, sh- you're sharing kind of on surface level because you know some people, but you don't know everyone really well, so maybe you hold back. And so maybe a challenge for you is to talk to someone, guy, talk to a guy, girl, talk to a girl, talk to someone, and try to meet up for Starbucks or something and really get to know people Talk about your struggles, ask for accountability, ask for prayer, and really work out your faith within that context of relationship. Because when you do it, significantly increases the odds and the ability to stay with God. Iron sharpens iron. When you have someone to support you through the storms of life, not just when things are going well and everything's great and all this fruit is being produced in your life, but when you're going through that process of of pruning and cutting, it could be great to have other branches with you. I didn't think that through. Have other branches with you. That'd be great. Amen. So respond in that one of those ways this morning. Choose one of those and walk in that this week and see how God uses it for your benefit. God has called us not just to be rooted in him for growth and for purpose, but also to be rooted in him so it produces fruit in our life that is for the benefit of others and for kingdom impact. So that Canyon Ridge Church would be known as a place that grows fruit for the impact of the world. Let's pray. God, we just love you and we thank you for this invitation that you have given to us, that it's not complicated, that there's not tons of steps along the way. It's just one step playing itself out in all aspects and areas of our life. You simply invited us to stay with you, to stay rooted in you. Lord, and I pray that for those that accept these challenges this week, there will be distractions. I mean, there's going to be times where it's going to be difficult to do some of these, Lord. But, but help us to stay in your presence, Lord. And as we do that, I just pray that you would bring about just a fullness of joy that is promised in your word when we stay in your presence. So I pray that for my friends this morning. Help us to con- continue to grow and to always be looking out for things that you want to do in us and through us for other people and for your work. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in your name. Amen.